and to the Eastern Conference All-Stars. You scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So Jeff Halfley introduces the new Packers defensive coordinator today. Gave a little press conference. Matt LaFleur spoke, introduced him. Then they brought him in. Eh, everyone, Jeff Halfley. So then he answered questions about defensive scheme. Uh, what do you like as a coach? What are you trying to bring to Green Bay? Right? We get to know Jeff Halfley. But we learn a little bit about the guy. Right? That's kind of what an introductory press conference is. We're all familiar with the idea. Well, on Twitter, which is where I consumed this media availability. I didn't have time to watch it live. I haven't listened to it yet. I just saw a ton of quotes from Packers beat reporters. You know, a little sentence here. Uh, Jeff Halfley believes in press coverage, colon, and then a quote about press coverage or stuff like that. So I was kind of bookmarking some tweets that I liked just to have some points of reference during the show tonight. And we'll get to the audio at some point. And like, I'll I'll have a chance to watch it later and, and we'll talk about it. You know, we'll dig into it at some point. But it just took place about an hour ago. I bookmarked a couple of quotes. This is the one I bookmarked, and this is the one that I liked the most. This has me amped about Jeff Halfley as the new Packers defensive coordinator. Quote, it's only been a few years, and it's still long overdue. No brewer should ever wear number eight ever again. Uh, And the context is new Packers defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley on the status of Ryan Braun's number retirement. Uh, Now that I read that, that doesn't seem... That doesn't seem real. This person seems like they're trolling. Who tweeted this? Oh, it was me. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I t- I tweeted that. I don't think he was actually asked about Ryan Braun's number. That's my favorite thing to tweet. When everyone's tweeting out quotes, when, like, there's 20 or 30 print reporters, radio people, TV people, all at a press conference tweeting out quotes, I just like to fire off a quote that's definitely not real just to see who's paying attention. It was so good, I, I fooled even myself. Wow. My media literacy, not not on not on point today. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're all having an awesome day. It's beautiful outside. Go for a walk. Go get some fresh air. Think about spring training baseball. There's there's baseball on the TV in front of me right now on ESPN. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. And if I remember correctly, the Dodgers were up eight to nothing after the first inning. So uh hasn't exactly been the most compelling baseball game but man I've seen enough the Dodgers are definitely going to win the World Series this year because the Dodgers typically it's not like they ever win more than 100 games and then crash and burn in the postseason that that never (laughs) that never happens I've seen enough with the Dodgers yeah this time for real I've seen enough they're future World Series champs but it is nice to have baseball on TV we'll have Brewer games before too long I'm going to be in spring training uh, a week from Saturday. It feels a little bit like a Friday for me today, so excuse me, my schedule's a little screwed up. I gotta uh, bounce out of town tonight. I'll be off tomorrow. Uh, I gotta leave town for a for a celebration of life, actually, for a funeral. Uh, it's not like an immediate family friend of a friend. It's not like you. I don't need. I don't. I don't say that because I need condolences. I say that because if I take a day off, I get a lot of flack, especially for my coworkers. But not this time. I'm going to a funeral. So go ahead. Go ahead. Give me, give me crap for that, Zach Heilprin. I also, and this is bad, uh, I told Zach confidently 
either on Monday or Tuesday that I was for sure going to come to Monks tonight for Temple and Heilprin. And when I said for sure I will be there Thursday, what I meant, and I could see how this would be misconstrued, I meant next, I meant next Thursday. A week from today I'll be there because uh, I got to leave town tonight, which I forgot uh, when I told Zach that earlier this week. So Temple and Heilprin programming note coming up in less than two hours. Badger basketball, Badger football talk. I will be off tomorrow. It will be a best of. And the show will be just a couple of my favorite interviews from Radio Row. I thought that made sense. So that will be tomorrow's show. This will be our last time to talk for the week. And we have a bit of a loaded show, if I say so myself. I thought this afternoon, I'd, I'd pour through Jeff Halfley's press conference, and I'd take some of the best moments and the best bits, and I'd arrange them, and we could listen to them on the show. And I said, wait a minute. That's what Mike, that's Mike Clemens' specialty. That's his speciality, as Obi-Wan once said in Star Wars, which I think is, like, I don't even think that's a British thing. I just don't think that's grammatically correct. But that is Mike Clemens' speciality. He will join us at 5.30. Uh, I, I would imagine we'll have a little bit of Jeff Halfley audio, but Mike was also at the press conference. He can tell us all about that. He's getting ready to head to the Combine next week, so it'll be nice to connect with Mike Clemens for the last hour of the show. Looking forward to that. At, um... At 4.30, something a little different. I think some folks will love this. Some folks will be a little bit like, what's going on? Uh, I had a conversation earlier today with a professor in the exercise sports science department at UW-Lacrosse. He's been an athletic trainer, a strength and conditioning coach at Division I programs. He specialized in football. He's done a ton of research. He teaches this stuff. And I thought, well, at 5.30, we'll talk about Jeff Halfley, new defensive coordinator with Mike Clemens. I also think a brand new strength and conditioning staff is like a really significant part of this Packers offseason. So talk with an expert, somebody who teaches people how to do this job, who studies this job, who's done this job at a super high level at Division One programs in college football. So Dr. Glenn Wright, Ph.D., University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, he's going to be here at 430. I actually recorded with him earlier this afternoon. Some really good information. Uh, so a little bit of the, the sports science side of, of sports, sports medicine. So it's a little something different. I thought it was fascinating. I'll play for you some of that conversation coming up at 430. 608-321-1670 if you'd like to join the show. I'd love to have you. I'm also on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. That's a super easy way to, to get in touch with the show as well. I want to begin the show with how I began my day. I woke up around 640 this morning, beat my alarm, hell yeah. Uh, I beat my alarm now three days in a row. I've got up alarm free, which is just, you know, you're, you're killing it. You're having a great week when you're waking up consistently before your alarm. I had two texts and one Twitter message. Folks had sent me this link to a story that came out in the journal Sentinel earlier today. I'm like, Oh God. So my day started with Brewers internet 630. I'm like squinting, looking at my phone. I was like, what the hell is this? This is the headline. It's an opinion piece. In the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it's written by Marshall Eckblad. I creeped his LinkedIn. I creeped this guy's Facebook. He lives in Virginia. He used to live and work in Chicago. But apparently he's a lifelong Brewer fan, and this is the headline. Why lifelong Milwaukee Brewers fan will be rooting for the Chicago Cubs this season. Native son Craig Council has earned support for this season with Cubs as he chases history. Uh, well, I'm fascinated first and foremost. So I read the story. I, I cannot imagine thinking this way. I want to read you some of this. And uh, as always on this show, we need a little reading music. I'm just going to read you not all, a little bit. You should go read this, Journal Sentinel. It's great entertainment. As a lifelong Brewers fan, I am rooting for the Cubs this season. There, I said it. 
But before Brew Crew Nation throws overcooked sausages on my bona fides, rest assured I am aware of the line I'm crossing. Let me pause right there. Here's your here's your high horse. Go ahead and climb down. Okay, let's take it easy here. Okay, Mark Twain. Continuing. Those Wrigley folk are a beer garden masquerading as a fan base. They struggle to know good baseball, even when played in their hallowed, ivied grounds. They tend to spread weekend series stink around Milwaukee right as the weather turns nice. And let me go ahead and also stop this author right here. The Brewers and the Cubs are basically the same team. The difference is that the Cubs won their World Series in 2016. The Brewers got close in 1982, but no cigar. The rest of it is basically the same. I said last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, I don't even remember. The Cubs are lovable losers. The Brewers are just losers. So let's not act like Brewers fans know ball at the highest level and Cubs fans don't. Two franchises are a lot closer than we'd all like to admit. The difference is the Cubs do it by choice because they have all the money and they have the television network. They have the market. They just choose to be poor. Continuing on. But for now, these people also happen to have our native son, Craig Council. Worse? Or is it better? They've treated Council better than we have. So for the time being, I see no choice but to take my rooting interests south of the border. I don't mean to sandbag the sterling record of the brewer's current and well-meaning owner. Mark Atanasio restored, or better yet, completely retrofitted the brewers to a consistently professional level near previously unexperienced by us fans. Like a pine tree hanging from a rearview mirror, he has cleaned the air of a certain used car stench. But some of us weren't sure we'd live long enough to see it. Zing, boom, and most of all, Terrell. Uh... Are we sure the Cubs have treated? Are we sure the Cubs have treated Craig Council better? Th- this is what I can't rectify. This is what I just can't get through my head. You want to go manage somewhere else? Go off. You want to go manage for a rival? Go off. But it's hard to stomach, and especially hard for me to rectify in my own mind after all that has been done and said over the last couple of years. Born a Brewer, I am you. Right, I was born a brewer. It's the way in. It's in me. It's in all of us. Remember this, you know, these thoughts that Craig Council didn't have to say these things. He didn't have to say all these things. And, and man, the Cubs are treating him better. Am I the only person that remembers when Craig Council's son was playing in the state baseball tournament? I watched. I consumed. I cheered. I supported his son. And again, just because I cheered on his son doesn't mean that like we're entitled to retain him as manager, but let's, let's tap the brakes a little bit on the idea that the Cubs have treated him so much better. Oh, they paid him a lot of money. Okay, well, it's not like the Brewers were paying him 40 grand a year. Like we embraced him. We loved him. We championed him. Miss me with that. Treated him better. However, we don't need a finance guy from California to tell us whether our native prodigal son has lost our community. I think he's referring to Mark Anasio there. Like Anasio, I have reflected on this longer than 15 hours before a press conference. Reflected. And the truth is, Council will never lose this community by deciding to work for people who treat him better. He's one of us. Heck, he represents the best of us. In a reverse twist of that fella in the Bible who came home an empty-handed joker, the prodigal son, this prodigal son, deserves every fatted and tipped cow we have. Why? Why? This is so bizarre. Scrolling down, Council's move to Chicago is never about money. Well, God, I hope it was about money. Otherwise, he's a much bigger ass than I assumed. And I 
Like, I already think he's a pretty big ass, but if this wasn't about money, then he's an even bigger ass. I don't know if I can comprehend the size of the ass that he is. If you haven't read this story, go read it. It's hilarious. It's very good entertainment, which at the end of the day is, I suppose, what we're about when we write about sports and talk about sports. This is just all so bizarre. I I saw a lot of folks on Brewers Twitter today making it clear again that we are not over council going to the Cubs. In fact, maybe we're just getting started. I'm just getting started. The problem is we took a pause for a couple months because the Packers made a playoff run and, you know, the Bucks got Damian Lillard. We've just been distracted. We haven't moved on. We've just moved to the side. And now we're back. And it turns out we're all still pissed at Craig Council. I was talking to a, a couple of buddies, uh, including I, I texted our, our guy, Kurt Hogue, who works for the Journal Sentinel. He's having to deal with all this backlash from Angie Brewers fans that this thing was published. And I, he's like, oh, well, if there was any confusion, if there was any uncertainty about how Brewers fans feel about Craig Council today, you can, can set that aside because it's, it's very clear that we're still angry. You might even be angrier now than we were months ago when this originally happened. And, I, you know, something really funny has happened. I, I think the Brewers have buckled down and reached deeper into their bag this offseason now that Craig Council has left. It's like, well... Okay, we will spend the money on Reese Hoskins. And again, I, I don't think the two are directly correlated. I don't think the Brewers only signed Reese Hoskins to try to compete and to try to go uh, more in the direction of, of addition and spending money and in the direction of competing. I don't think they did that just because Craig Council left, but don't tell me it didn't play a factor. Come on. That had to play a little bit of a factor. It wasn't the only factor, but it was a factor, right? And now I'm I'm looking at the Brewers' social post like, the speech of uh, Pat Murphy the other day. Did we all see this? I feel like I should play this audio. I didn't play it yesterday or uh, maybe it was even the day before when it came out. But the Brewers social media team, which I think has been hit or miss in years past, like now they're digging deep. This is a speech that Pat Murphy gave to the clubhouse. If you didn't see this, go watch it. It's on the Brewers Twitter, or Facebook, and you know, all their platforms. This is skipper Pat Murphy. We got to care about winning. I don't care about what others are saying, how much we're going to win. We're going to win this many games because of this, because of this. That's all bull crap. You got to be in the present moment. But we get divided. Oh, am I going to be in the All-Star game? Am I not? Doesn't freaking matter. What matters is what? We win tonight. You got to be willing to be responsible, disciplined, aware. You got to be open to have other people talk to you. Open to look at yourself in the mirror. That's what it's about. But I want to win until they tap us on the shoulder and say, it's over, bro. There's no more games. That's it. That's my expectation. I didn't come in here to participate and say, oh, the old man got a chance to, to manage. Okay? Let's have a great day, fellas. Like, again, I don't think the Brewers produced that video and put it out because Craig Council is managing the Cubs. I think it played a, played a role. Like, I don't... It's not the only reason they did it, but it was a reason. Come on. You're, you're looking at the Brewers content so far from spring training. You're looking at the moves they made this offseason. Reese Hoskins, Gary Sanchez, paying Jackson Cherry all that money. Again, they didn't do all of these things just because Craig Council left, but it played a role. It, it wasn't the only factor, but it was a factor. And all these factors are combining. I'm, I'm supercharged. I'm so excited for this Brewers. I'm going to watch these spring training games like my life depends on it. And I cannot wait to get down to Merrillville. In about a week, I am jacked up. So maybe it was a good thing in the end. Maybe maybe this is the thing that we needed to unite Brewers fans in Brewers Twitter. Maybe the community is now more united than ever before. And maybe weirdly in this wicked, weird 
twist of irony. Maybe this is exactly what we needed. We needed we needed to hate someone collectively. It's like I said yesterday. When I go to a basketball game, I kind of want the refs to make a couple bad calls against my team because I want to get riled up. Yeah, I want the I want the crowd to be able to get upset. Maybe this is the same thing. Maybe we needed our manager to stab us in the back, and it connected the community. We all have something to rally around now. Let's take a three minute break. We can continue to talk about this. I have a couple quotes from Jeff Halfley. I can read you as well. We're going to talk about the new strength and conditioning coach and what goes into that job. And I I just learned a lot about the role. Dr. Glenn Wright, who's been an athletic trainer, a strength and conditioning coach at the highest level. He's worked in this field for decades. He teaches at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. He's going to join the show. 4.30, Mike Clemens, 5.30, loaded show tonight. Let's take a quick three-minute break. We'll be right back. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens in one hour to help us make sense of this Jeff Halfley higher in 10 minutes we're going to talk with dr glenn wright he's a long time exercise sports science specialist phd in the subject he teaches or professes at the university of wisconsin lacrosse quite a program for athletic trainers strength and conditioning coaches exercise sports science program one of their biggest and i said hey can we chat for like 10 minutes, could you explain to me like what goes into that job? Because we get calls and comments sports talk radio all the time when Packers players are injured. Well, we need to take a look at the strength and conditioning staff. What's what's going on there? We got to take a look at that. It's like, well, what? Okay, M- maybe. I, I don't know. I need to learn a little bit more about how that job is done, what matters, what doesn't matter. And Dr. Wright was awesome. I spoke with him just an hour or two ago, recorded some of the conversation. You'll hear that coming up. So we're going to break down two of the big changes this offseason. Defensive coordinator, strength and conditioning staff, which I think is really, really significant. Obviously not going to get as much run and discussion as defensive coordinator, but one of the changes Matt LaFleur made this offseason. Hey, before we get to the phones, by the way, 608-321-1670, happy seven-year anniversary, or I guess loose seven-year anniversary to Christian Yelich. This is year seven with the Brewers. The Brewers posted Twitter, Instagram, all their platforms today, like seven years of Yelich, right, with a picture of when he first got here and... 2018 and now and I'm like man that does not feel like seven years ago that's for sure I remember exactly where I was when I first saw the trade I was sitting cross-legged on the floor of my college house playing Call of Duty I believe the game at the time was World War II which was a pretty crummy game but it had its its moments uh and I'm like "Ooh, they gave up uh who's the outfielder they gave up Lewis Brinson I'm like oh that's a lot and god would I was I an idiot and I did the same thing in 2018 it's like Manny Machado he won't help win a World Series. Keston Hira. Got to keep him around. Okay. Well, I was, I was wrong about that. That doesn't feel like it was seven years ago. Feels like we're in like year four or five with Yelich. Ish. Ish. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. Clemhead Mike. Hey, Clemhead. You've been Johnny on the spot the last two nights. I like it. I like the aggression from you. You're dominating the phone lines. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's always great to talk to you. I, I, uh, after you read that article about the guy praising uh, Craig Council and saying how we should all root for him, I was half expecting at the end to say, this is brought to you by the Onion newsletter because I have a lot of Onion, yeah. like 100 radio broadcasts on my computer, and I'm a big fan of the Onion. I thought, who in the hell is going to root for Craig Council? The guy deserted us, and he broke our hearts. 
being it. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not going to cheer for him. I understand if you don't like wish him ill. Okay, that's fine. I'm wishing him ill. I'm in every possible sports way, not in real life, not IRL, but like I will cheer against him in every baseball game he participates in as a coach, as an executive, as a broadcaster. I just wish nothing but the worst for the guy professionally. Personally, hope he thrives. I hope he has a great life, but professionally, well, nothing but the worst. Yeah, I guess I went overboard and I said I hoped he walked in front of a bus. I said that a couple times. In the past. Well, you, you spiritually, you didn't mean that literally. You just, you know, no. spiritually. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I thought maybe that was I thought maybe that was an onion thing. I seriously I couldn't believe that guy was serious. But um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was when I heard you talking earlier about um, Craig Counts or not Craig Counts about uh, Matt Lafleur not going to the combine. Was is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, um, he and I. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think he's gone the last few years. That's kind of become a oh. trend in the NFL in recent years. Well, you know, a lot of combine warriors don't really exactly make great NFL players. A lot of guys are like superstars in the combine. They they do more reps. They run faster 40s, and they do all this stuff, and they never pan out. There's a lot yeah. to be said for guys running around in T-shirts and shorts. Um, in tennis shoes, like Tom Brady did horribly at the combine. If he just went by his combine scores, he'd say, this guy doesn't have a shot at being in the NFL. So there's a... A lot to be said for not taking the combine too seriously. I mean, if you're, a, you're trying to uh, judge two guys side by side, you just can't make up your mind on. Yeah, the combine might sway you, but yeah, I don't. Combine is the be all end all that a lot of people think it is. No, it's a data point. It's a place to go to. Oh, that's interesting. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. Like like small pieces of the big puzzle, right? And and I right. also think it, it matters more for some positions than others. Right. Like speed, size, strength at some positions is really, really important. Now, it's never the end all be all, but some positions it's more important. And then, you know, position like safety. And we talked to Peter at the Super Bowl about this. Like sometimes safety, it's good to be fast and strong and and hit hard. But a lot of it is mental. Right. You got to be able to diagnose and read the field. And that's something that shows up on film. And you notice that in conversations, interviews with the players. That's not necessarily showcased when you're running, you know, a three cone drill. That's more physical. Right. It would go to speed if you're uh, 10 yards off position where you're supposed mm-hmm. to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that's not that's not the be all end all is not the combine. So exactly. And so I didn't realize that uh, that LaFleur didn't go to to the combines. I, uh, I guess general managers almost have to but, GMs uh, or or like even if I can't imagine why a GM wouldn't no. go. But like the scouting staff is going. I, I think Belichick for years has been going. McVay, who's kind of been a thought leader in in certain coaching uh decisions i guess playing guys in the preseason or whether to go to the combine or not look if a coach can go to the combine and and get all their work done i i just think it's a matter of taste i I don't think a coach needs to stay back it's like i have work to do you have the whole off season like you could spare three days in india if you really wanted to i think it's a matter of taste for a lot of these coaches i got a feeling too it might be a big old party down there with all these head coaches a lot of them oh yeah oh well i bet you there's booze of plenty down there. <laughs> it does sound pretty fun. Uh, it does. It sounds like they're probably getting together tonight. But also, that's where you learn. Like, you can meet up with other coaches and scouts, and, and that's where you can tell some good stories and get some good intel, too. There is a, a networking aspect, I think, to the combine that's really important. Maybe a little informal tampering, you know, a little informal. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little formal tampering. I don't know. Who's yeah. to say? A couple, couple old fashions at a steakhouse. The night gets late. Yeah. I, you never know what's going to happen. It's Indianapolis, yeah. after all. You never know. Exactly. Well, thanks, Grant. I'll let you go. I know you got guys on the phone, so um, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Have, um, 
I'm sorry about your friend or your friend of a friend tomorrow. I, the funeral is always bad. I'm uh, sorry you have to go through that. Mm-hmm. It'll be uh, it'll be okay. It's nice to support anytime someone experiences a loss. It's just nice to be there. So that's and I, again, I don't say that I'm going to a funeral tomorrow for condolences. I'm I'm doing it a little bit, so it's more of an excused absence because you guys are nuts. Anytime I you aren't Mike, but you know some you know give me a little heck when I have to take a day off. Oh God, everybody needs a little time off. You got to clear the brain, buddy. Clear yeah. the brain. Well, seriously, appreciate you, Mike. Nice to hear from you. Thanks, Mike. Clem had Mike up in Chippewa Falls again, and I think. You guys might need a day off for me, too. I did four hours of Bill's show on Monday, four hours on Tuesday, this show all week. I mean, do you really want me to do you really want me to come in tomorrow night and yell about Craig Council for another half hour? Because that's probably what would happen. And no one really needs that. We also don't need to deal with the Doc Rivers soap opera anymore. Like the best thing we can do with some of these sports stories, Craig Council or Doc Rivers or whatever just stick your head in the sand and wait for games to start. I, that's Sometimes that's the best thing to do in sports. Now, I don't always have that option because I'm expected to sit here behind this microphone and, and provide analysis and takes and opinions uh, for two hours every night. And I weirdly think by the end of this week, we all might benefit from two hours apart. So tomorrow night, I'm going to run some of my favorite interviews from the Super Bowl. Uh, and there were a bunch of them. John Runyon Jr., Steve Avila was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Trevor Sikama, a good Packers draft primer. So that's going to be tomorrow night. Uh, and again, I, I don't hammer the, the point that I'm going to a funeral for sympathy. It's just it's it's more of an excused absence. It's like, all right, that's it's a good reason to it's a good reason to take a day off. Let's take a break. When we come back, Dr. Glenn Wright, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, exercise sports science. He has been a strength and conditioning coach, college football programs, division one programs. He now teaches this stuff, studied it. He's published works on it for a long time. And I just asked him, you know, some of the questions like, what do we need to know? Packers got a new coach. What matters? What doesn't? What do these coaches do? Really interesting interview. I'm going to play that for you next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Mike Clemens in one hour. He's going to be here at 5.30 with some comments, some audio, some reaction to Jeff Halfley's opening press conference today. He was introduced in Green Bay. Mike was there, and he's going to help us break down that hire, what he heard, what he saw, what he liked, what he didn't like, all that stuff. He'll be here in about an hour. Now, the Packers made that move this offseason. Matt LaFleur deciding, eh, we're done with Joe Barry. We're going to get a new defensive coordinator and a lot of new coaches on the defensive staff. He also relieved Chris Gizzy, the strength and conditioning coach as well, and all of his staff. And I think that's a significant move. I do. I think it signals that Matt LaFleur is, is doing a little spring cleaning this offseason. And we talked about this earlier in the week. He's like, hey, we're going through a lot of changes. We're going through a little bit of a, a changing of eras, even from a, an old guard to a new guard. What do I need to address? It's like when you move from one apartment to another, or one house to another. You're like, all right, while we're doing this, like, what do I need to get rid of? Like, can I take any clothes to goodwill? Can I get, what don't I need, right? Whatever changes, whatever adjustments I need to make in my life, good time to do it now. And I think the, the hiring of a new strength and conditioning coach is part of that. Now, earlier today, I talked with uh, Professor Dr. Glenn Wright, who is at University of Wisconsin Lacrosse in their exercise and sports science department, which is a really big one. A lot of people go to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse for exercise, sports science, uh, physical therapy, and athletic training. It's a very, it's a very big, it's a robust part of the school. 
uh, and Dr. Wright's been there forever. He has been an athletic trainer or a strength and conditioning coach at lots of Division One programs, Division Three, right, with the University of Wisconsin Cross for a while as well. And I asked him, I was like, can you just, like, help me answer some, like, really dumb person questions about that career, their role with the team, what makes a, a strength and conditioning coach good? He humored me and did a really good job. It's about a 12-minute conversation. Here is our conversation from earlier today. Well, I think a lot of folks, when we think of a strength and conditioning coach with a football team, you think of a super jacked guy who's yelling and in the weight room hyping guys up. But based on on what you're describing to me, it's a lot of scheduling, and you're managing data, and you're deciding, okay, we only have this many days, this many hours, you know, this many reps with weights. How do we best organize all that stuff to maximize these athletes? But also you need to look over the data to say, okay, if we do too much of this, that's when we start getting injuries. So you're kind of establishing parameters and schedules. You need to be pretty organizational. It's not just a a meathead type role. There's a lot of organization that goes into this. Yeah, really a lot of the, a lot of strength coaches are known for basically their main role is managing fatigue. It's not really managing, especially at the higher levels of Division One and, and in professional sports. It's managing fatigue. You want to get as much work done, but you don't want to have much fatigue in order to, to, to achieve that. And so, again, with these little devices, they're able to monitor how much movement takes place. And then depending upon the sophistication of the device, how much it can measure in terms of intensity as well. And then basically by trial and error and also some reading some of the research there's been a lot of research done in that in the last five to ten years and um, just kind of comparing the level of sport that you're coaching with or or doing science work with um, how much volume is typical and then again with football you have a different volume you have for linemen than you do for skill players and um, and just basically looking you're not necessarily trying to have the same loads they're called loads um, for every position but within the position you want to have pretty close to the same but there's always going to be some individuals that break down easier uh, with lower loads and some that can tolerate more so you learn that by experience as well over the course of of the um, training camp as well as as the season goes and if you know that they're putting in heavy loads but they're still doing fine in terms of performance they can live with that but if they start getting little nagging injuries and or you know just look like they're dying with lower loads Maybe they didn't prepare enough coming into the season or training camp, or maybe that's just the way that their body operates. Well, and you know, you mentioned you approached Coach Schmidt at the time, and you said, "Do you want to try something?" Right? Is that a? Do you find it through all of your excuses and all, or excuses through all of your stops and through all of your experiences with different football teams? Do coaches need to be forward thinking? Are there a lot of old fashioned coaches that don't want to hear outside ideas, maybe don't want to listen to to strength and conditioning coaches, members of their staff, and they're stubborn? That's got to be a huge advantage, a coach that's willing to try things and listen to the experts and maybe adjust in in ways that previously the coach didn't think about, right? That's that's got to be a big thing, the relationship with the coach and, and having that back and forth and working together. Yeah, definitely. It's a big thing. When the coach buys in, the athletes buy in. And if the coach is kind of ambivalent or don't care, doesn't care about it, it's kind of hard to get the athletes to buy in as well. Sure. And one of the things that Coach Schmidt was very quick to acknowledge it when he got the job here was, I know nothing about strength and conditioning. I'm going to trust whatever you tell me because, you know, you, you live this stuff, you're a PhD and all this kind of stuff. And he just thankfully just respected what I could bring to the program. And after I started doing things, I think I, I, I earned the – the uh, ability to do that and we just kept doing more and more all the time and then when coach janice took over 
he was part of all that stuff too because he was on the same coaching staff and again admittedly he he didn't know it was you know what what was going on but he saw that it was successful so we just continued to do it we're talking with dr glenn wright who's exercise exercise sports science at uw lacrosse a, a couple of questions um maybe more specific to my experience and how fans view strength and conditioning coaches like for years you know packers players would get you know hamstring injuries or whatever and i'd get calls and comments and it's not specific to my show right every person who deals in sports talk and sports communication experiences this fans like we need a, a new strength and conditioning coach you need to look into the trainers do you think that that and I, and I would never know what to tell those people. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to evaluate a strength and conditioning staff. So when you hear sports fans say things like that, what do you think and how do you respond to those folks? Well, professional football and professional sports in general are, are hard to really make that comment truthfully for. And really it depends on what part of the season also. With, you know, I'll just use the Packers as, a, as an example. One of the key things that maybe some fans don't understand is in the offseason, most of these players are not being coached by the strength coach of the team for the most part. They may, the strength coach may have a, a workout that they devise, but I, I would say more than half and probably even many more than half have their own personal trainer or strength coach in the offseason, either a former college strength coach or a personal trainer of you know, people that specialize in professional athletes. And they do their program when they're away from the clubhouse and at the same time when then they come into the season or training camp or OTAs or whatever it might be. And then sometimes, again, depending upon the relationship with the strength coach, sometimes with the administration, are they going to make them do the strength coach's workout? Or are they going to be able to follow the other person they've been training for the last maybe four to five months with? And that's the problem sometimes is if they have early season injuries, it may be a factor of their off-season program. If they have late season injuries, it may be a factor of the program they're doing during the season. But again, is that the person that is on staff called the strength coach? Or are they following through with what their previous person trainer or coach was giving them from long distance online or whatever way that they're doing it? And again, it, it, every I think every team, I don't, I don't know a lot about the professional sports, but Oh, every team has a different uh, philosophy on what they allow. And is it, is it a superstar? Is it a rookie? Is it a free agent that they're talking about? And again, obviously, the higher up in the food chain you are, the more um, you make your own decisions. And hopefully the, the, the rest of the team goes along, the, the administration goes with it. But um, again, it, it's, it really depends on what the training is they're doing the season, during the season. The question is, where is it coming from? Yeah, and it's it's hard to judge because there's so many factors, and I'm glad you laid that out for us because that's not something we think about, right? When a player, like we've had, I, I think of Christian Watson, who's a Packers wide receiver, has started this season kind of in training camp the last two years with with a hamstring issue of some kind. We don't know who he was working with in the offseason or what plan he was on, right. so that's something significant to remember. And again, um, some of those guys that like, like Christian Watson that has a hamstring injury, once you get one of those things, you almost always have it unless you really take the time to rehab it. But again, if you're getting that in the middle of the season, you're trying to continue to play, you never really had it, let it heal. And then one wrong move and it pulls again. And then especially hamstrings, they're really hard to come back. Hamstrings and groins are really hard to come back from in the middle of the season. So wh why is that? Because we hear that all the time. Can you explain that from from the perspective of someone who knows the science and knows the anatomy? You know, we know all oh, hamstrings are tricky and groins are. Wh why is that physically and anatomically? 
Well, a lot of it was the cutting and the acceleration, especially of the strength and power of many of those athletes, especially the ones that are fast as Christian Watson. There's a lot of force being produced in the muscles. And if there's a weak link anywhere in there, it's going to be found when they're making a cut or when they're stopping really fast. And especially at the wide receiver position, they're constantly starting and stopping and accelerating and, and stopping again. And that just puts a lot of pressure on the muscles themselves or a lot of force in the muscles. And whenever there's a weak link, it's going to be found and results in injury or re-injury. And again, once you get it, it you have to almost 100% get uh, healing taking place or you know repair. And if it's not 100% when you go back, it, it's usually just a matter of the wrong move at the right time. And that could mean the hamstring is 97% good. But that 3%, if that's the weak link, that's all that it takes? Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Whereas maybe other parts of the body, if you're close to 100%, that's that's good enough. That's maybe not the case with hamstrings and groins. Yeah, especially with the faster people. You rarely hear about a hamstring injury in a lineman. That's true. You know, at least an offensive lineman especially. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is kind of position-specific. Yeah. Lastly, the last question I have for you, and you can answer this any way that you want. Uh, again, we're talking with Dr. Wright. He's UW lacrosse, well-known for their exercise and sports science program. Whether it's you working with a student that wants to be an athletic trainer, there's lots of folks that come to UW lacrosse and they want to do that, no matter the sport, no matter the, the level, or if uh, us as Packers fans, now there's a new strength and conditioning coach uh, on the Packers. What do you think is, is necessary if you're working with a student or you're, you're talking about a potential hire on a team what is an athletic trainer or a, a strength and conditioning coach? What do they have to be good at? Like, what what, what is non-negotiable? What, what has to be there to be really, really good at your job, a strength and conditioning coach at a high level? I think the key thing is understanding the athletes themselves, what their needs are for the sport. And, and especially, again, for football, there's multiple positions that have multiple needs. Um, so the skills that you're trained to improve power. But if we're going to go across just in general a team especially one that is having problems with injuries, I would recommend improving their mobility, which is really flexibility is being able to stretch the muscle, but mobility is the ability for the joint to move. And a lot of times if you have tight ligaments, tight tendons, tight muscles all together, you have limited range of motion in the muscle, or I'm sorry, in the joint. And um, as a result, when you have a restricted joint, that force that's, normally taken up there has to be taken up somewhere else a common problem for let's say weekend athletes is is hip mobility but because the hips won't move many times low back injuries happen so if an athlete can't move well in multiple different directions um and are restricted either by shoulder problems a lot of times or hip problems somewhere else down the line is going to be having injuries and so if it's hip mobility low back is common if it's uh, uh hamstrings could be a matter of either hip or knee types of uh instabilities but mobility there's a lot of the the professionals and division one athletes that work more with like pilates and yoga in their off season to improve mobility more so than they or more so or equal to the amount that they increase strength and power and especially as the professional athletes get older and older, it's probably more of a factor of keeping them playing. It's, there's, there's an analogy one time that the uh, old Alabama strength coach uh, can basically referred or spoke about at a conference that I went to. He says, I get Division One athletes, Division One football players that are already powerful and, and strong and everything like that. It's, it's like I, I be, I'm given a Maserati, and all I can do really with them is put spinners on the wheels. 
So it's not like they really have to, especially at the professional level, they're as strong and powerful as they probably are going to be uh, most of the time. And from the two people that I know, I used to, I, I know the what used to be a strength coach at the Bucks, back in George Carl Day, Tim Wilson, and then I've talked with um, with Rock Ellickson, that was the strength coach Packers way back. And both of them basically said their main job was just to keep them healthy and on the field. It wasn't to get them strong and powerful uh, at the professional level. It's just basically keep them healthy. And that's where, again, the mobility exercises during the season, especially, obviously. Um, and that's going to help to at least resist some of the injuries that are caused by uh, immobile joints and put stress well, it's, somewhere else. Yeah, it's the stress is going to be absorbed by the right place in the body and it's not going to end up causing injury somewhere else that makes a lot of sense and it makes sense you got to understand individual guys needs especially at that level right when there's that much money and there's that many resources being poured into individual guys right the the ability to to keep all those guys healthy well this has been really interesting i i appreciate you so much uh and and when i needed uh, some questions answered about uh strength and conditioning and exercise and sports science I, i knew exactly the place to go to so thank you so much dr Wright. i appreciate it thank you This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, fun change of pace interview. I like stuff like that every once in a while. Thanks to Dr. Wright. If you want to read his work, I'm looking at the UWL page right now. I Study after study after study. Publication, publication, publication. He's got a lot of work, so go check it out if you want. I know it's not the most sports of all sports interviews, but it's also not like I had someone on to talk about commercial welding. Although that kind of sounds interesting, too. Deep sea welder. Maybe save that for the all-star break next summer. Or I guess this summer. It's 2024. Deep sea welder. That would be an interesting interview. I think I'd rather have that than a Marquette reporter. All due to Ben Steele, who does great work. I just <laughs> just don't care. Sorry. I know they beat the pulp out of DePaul last night. Uh, good for Tyler Kolek. DePaul might be the worst college basketball team I've ever seen in my life. Ever in my life. 608-321-167. Let's take a call here. Sneak one in before the top of the hour. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Jeez, Grant. This is Mike in Colorado. Coyote. Mike, well, what's the G's for? I can't. I just... I just called you like 10 seconds ago. Oh, well, I'm efficient, man. I, I'm, I'm efficient. I get you on air. It's what I do. Yeah. So, uh, I'm all be really fast. So number, are you thinking about maybe getting, um, interview with Brandon Woodruff? I have, I I have audio from Woody. We might listen to a a little bit in, in the next hour of the show. You probably mean at spring training. Yeah. I'll probably try to get a comment from him or one or two, maybe not a full sit down interview, but a little bit. Yeah. Well, now that you're a veteran uh, spring training reporter, you know, Thank locker you. room presence and all that. Locker room. It's established clubhouse presence. You are correct. That's, that's right. <laughs> and as far as Craig Council, I'm done with the guy. I, you know, I know people are going to want to talk about it, but I'm, I'm over him. Just as long as the Brewers beat the Cubs, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'll be good. I'll be great. Yeah, beat the Cubs, and, take uh, care of your rivals, keep winning the division. That's right. I'll be happy. Yeah, and then listening to uh, uh, Pat Murphy, uh, gosh, for once, that's what I, I'm going to say, compare 
But I never heard that kind of, I guess, emotion from Craig Council. Pat Murphy giving that little locker room speech before they went out to to work out yesterday. Certainly not recently. That's for sure, yeah. No. Not last year. No. Yeah, and, and so I, I look at it this way. he He's going to manage with people and not by numbers. And I think that that's going to give him a, a little bit more advantage, you know, over the over the season. Where I thought uh, Council was too dependent on the analytics and things like that. So... Well, I'm I'm not sure, you know, if, if I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure what kind of manager Pat Murphy will be. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make that my quest to learn more about that when I'm down there. I, I think a new voice could always be helpful, especially for a team that's yeah. won the division. They've won 90 games. You know, they've had really successful regular seasons and then ran into bumps in the postseason. And I'm not blaming Craig Council for that. But sometimes when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're coming up short, you get frustrated the release of a new voice and a new point of view and a new approach that could be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just about all I had to say. So I uh, hope you have a good weekend. Yeah, you as well. Coyote Mike, we, we normally talk on Friday nights. You have a good one. Me and Mike normally talk on Friday nights, but it's kind of is my Friday. I'm going to be off tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to lacrosse tonight, which I am jacked up about. I haven't been there since. I think since Oktoberfest, that's just not acceptable. Straight up, that's that's not okay. I haven't been up to the Eau Claire. I've been up to the Chippewa Valley since Christmas. That's a little more recent. I'm going to get up there as well, see our friends that listen to us on Sports Talk 105.1 WAYY. Thank you, Mike. Mike Mike has been a streamer of this show forever, living out in Colorado. He he lives in, in 2024, the digital age for sure. I have one comment from Jeff Halfley that I want to play coming up next. Maybe some comments from Brandon Woodruff. We can get into that as well. Mike Clemens will join us at 530. He was at the Jeff Halfley presser today, so he can speak in more detail to what was said, kind of the vibe in the room. I'm seeing a lot of quotes that Jeff Halfley won the room, won the press conference. Now, of course, you can't. It doesn't help you. You're not going to be good just because you were good at a presser. Adrian Griffin seemed a little out of sorts in his presser and never really looked in sorts at any point. I guess I'll keep that in mind. We'll talk more about the Jeff Halfley hire. Comments from Brandon Woodruff next, too, as well. Our number two Wisco Sports Show coming up. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Back to the gills with audio tonight, which I love. Going to hear comments from Jeff Halfley coming up at 530. Mike Clemens will join us. I have comments from Brandon Woodruff. I just love listening to the guy talk. He's the perfect mix of genuine and honest, but also succinct. Like, I think sometimes there would be comments from Aaron Rodgers. He'd go for like three minutes. I'm like, what are you even talking about? But with Woodruff, it's a nice, happy medium. He gives us enough. He's very genuine, but he doesn't just go and go and go. And sometimes athletes do a little bit of that. I have a comment from Halfley I want to play for you here in a minute. I also have comments from J.J. Redick which I find interesting. Again, I think it's almost a good thing that I'm taking tomorrow off because I don't know that the Wisconsin sports talk sphere needs another half hour of me yelling about Craig Council and NL Central 
predictions going into the year. I don't think the Wisconsin sports talk sphere needs another half hour for me talking about this whole Doc Rivers, JJ Redick, Bucks all-star break situation. I like, it'll be nice to wrap this up today and we'll take a long weekend. We'll come back on Monday and we'll reset. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some different things starting next week. I'm looking forward to that. This is the Wisco sports show. Like I said, Mike Clemens going to be here in a half hour. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. This comment from Jeff Halfley, he seemed overly excited like could not be more excited to be in green bay could not be more excited to have this job this is the comment that i saw kind of popping up over and over again and mike will probably speak to this when he joins us but i want to play this now the other thing for me guys is i mean i probably got to watch more football the last week and a half than i've gotten to watch in like four months i mean as a head coach in college you're pulled in so many different directions i mean i feel like like a kid in a candy store again just sitting there and being able to watch tape it's probably one of the most refreshing and clear minds i've had in such a long time like, I'm having a blast doing it. That's cool. That's exciting. I'm glad he's in that spot personally. I, I think it bodes well for the Packers professionally as well. I also I just want to point out, not every comment from every college coach needs to be an indictment on the sport of college football. Like, anytime, I saw Schefter tweeting about this earlier today. Anytime a, a college coach switches jobs or an NFL assistant turned college assistant switches leagues. Like we, we want to make everything about NIL. It's because of NIL it's because of this, because of that. Look, I am not the world's biggest expert on the politics and the bureaucracy and the finances and the mechanics of college football. Like I am not, I am mostly a casual in that department, but I think we're reaching a little bit. Like I saw earlier today, Adam Schefter tweeting about, I think it was either a linebackers coach or a running backs coach in college that made the jump to do a very similar job in the NFL. And Schefter's jumping on it like, see, just another example. It's like, what? I don't know. Maybe he's making more money. Maybe, maybe he got to move somewhere in the country that he likes better. Maybe it's not all, all of these coaching transactions in the offseason don't have to be a scathing indictment of college football. I think we're reaching just a little bit like this move makes sense for Jeff Halfley because I don't know that it was going super well at Boston College. I don't know that they were going to fire him because you know, where does Boston College get off being picky with coaches first and foremost? I, I just think he had reached the end of his ladder in college. Like, I don't know that Boston College is a jumping off point to get a better job, to get the next job. And being the defensive coach of the Packers, the defensive coordinator of the Packers might be. And that's not necessarily an indictment on college football that's just the reality of being a head coach at boston college in a conference that isn't exactly lighting the world on fire and a program within that conference that's definitely not lighting the world on fire we we don't have to all play sherlock holmes and be like this coach is doing this because college football sucks well college football does have issues but i think we're reaching a little bit too much in some of these instances 608-321-1670 wisco sports show who's this Eric on I-90. Eric on I-90. It's been a couple of days, friend. What's going on? I thought maybe I'd hear from you at one point during one of the Bill Michaels shows that I was doing earlier this week, but no such luck. No, no, I haven't been like a daytime listener. I've been uh, early morning and uh, late afternoon, but I have been listening to your show, Grant. Uh, uh, You've been uh, putting on uh, again and again good shows. (laughs) Well, thank, thank you, Eric. That's what I needed to hear. It's nice to hear from you. Yeah, I don't, uh, this Hatley guy, right? Halfley, yes, with an F. Yep, 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 yep. Halfley. I'm going to call him Hatley. Okay. Hatley guy. Okay. You know, all right, let's, 
I don't know. I think I'm with Vagabond John on the, on the whole uh, defense coordinator business here. I think you should have kept Barry. I, I guess I was sitting there thinking back, and, and it's it's over with, right? You can't go back in time. Yeah. You know, but uh, I was just thinking about all the Green Bay losses this year, and I don't know if you got too many you can blame on him. No, I think the Buccaneers' loss is just about the only one. And and some might say the Giants right. lost because they gave up the touchdown at the end, but the offense sucked for, like, the whole first half. And they made mistakes on special teams. I, I think the Buccaneers game was really the one game the defense didn't give the offense a chance. That doesn't mean that this hire can't be an improvement. I agree. Right? Yep. And the two don't have to go hand-in-hand. Yeah. I hope not. I'm hoping not. Yeah. Both things can be true. Joe Barry was fine. He wasn't terrible. I think he wasn't as bad as a lot of Packers people said. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't mean that going in a different direction also wasn't the right. Two things can be true, as we say very often in this business, Eric. Absolutely. I don't have much more than that. I mean, the Bucks now, what do you think they're going to come back now? I actually think they'll be okay. I think this. I think the stock has bottomed out. I think it's 2009, and you're looking to buy a house, and you can get one at a, at a song right now because I think the, the Bucks have nowhere to go but up. And, and if I'm wrong, then it's going to get really bad, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. I think there's, there's nowhere to go but up from here. That's so true. Yeah. You know, I have problems with my dryer at home, <laughs> you know, and I got it fixed. Yeah. And, I, and it doesn't really blow a lot of warm air. It's pretty lukewarm because when my dryer wasn't working – I had to go to the laundromat, and I think I could air fry tater tots in that dryer. Yeah, they're hot. And this one here, they're hot. So I'm going through the dryer, you know, directions, and I got to the, uh, you know how they have different languages, right? Mm -hmm. Like four pages of this. I got to the Amish section, and they said, hang your clothes out to dry because it's better than the crappy dryer you just bought. So don't buy a general electric (laughs) dryer, all right? That's... The Amish section. <laughs> right. I got the Amish section the direction. Um, Hang your clothes off the drive. That's, that's so. I needed know. that joke. I did. Hey, I want to ask you before I let you go. What is the state of snowmobiling in the state of Wisconsin right now? You always go up north to snowmobile, but what, as someone who's got a passion for, for ripping around on the snowmobile, yeah. what are we going to do? What is the state of the state, please? It's the most depressing thing I can think of. Actually, these, actually today, this this week, this is a week where we go on an annual trip up to Hayward, uh, a group of guys that I've been going with for years. Mm-hmm. We have fun every year, and uh, this is what we're looking at. So I'm about ready to punch some of these weather reporters on TV talking about how nice it is. Yeah. I just would like to see somebody come across that stage like right in the middle of the broadcast and just pop them and just go it's not nice well they're not it's they're not controlling the weather i suppose they're just reporting on it how many times did you get out this year did you even get to go i got four rides in i got four rides four rides i mean four 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 rides yeah that's what i got in four four that's all yeah, it's not so great. That was, that's, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, you know, it's not over. I'm Mr. Determined. I, it's not completely over. We got two winter storms coming through next week. Two winter storms. Well, you get up you there. Mark my word. And I tell you what, I'm ready to rock. I'm, my bags are packed. 
sleds are full of gas. You're ready to go. I am, and you, you have to be. This you, one here, because when the snow, when the snow falls now, it's not only melting from the top; it's melting from the bottom too. Yeah, you got to be on it that day. You know, yeah. you, you know, and I don't mean to put this energy out into the world, and I don't mean to put this on you. But you've done snowmobiling, and you lived in Wisconsin long enough to know how this works. You know what's going to happen. We're going to get one big final snowfall. You're going to drive your sled up north, and you know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen? It's not going to start. There's going to there's going to be an issue with it. Oh no, 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 no. I got a, I got a spare. Okay, okay, two. okay. Because that yeah, yeah, I'm a seasoned I'm a seasoned guy. I'm prepared. Okay, I got good. two, okay. and then I got a thousand bucks with me to rent one. We're riding. Country's. We're riding. This is why I'm going to ride. Oh my God. Well, have a good weekend, Eric. I'll be in your neck of the woods. I'll be down in, in La Crosse this weekend. Probably not in the district, uh, but I'll be close by. So right. I'll be thinking of you. Nice to hear from you always. Well, it sure was nice talking to you, Grant. You have a great day. You too, Eric. Have a good night. That's Eric on I 90. Jeff Hatley. What do you say, Hatley? If you were really uh, if you were really going full Dick Briscoe with it, you'd say Halfleys. You just add an S onto the last name for no reason at all. Because that's what we do. We just add S's on the end. And I, the reason I ask is I know that Eric is a big-time snowmobiler. Someone needs to write an oral history of snowmobiling in the state of Wisconsin. Because you used to be able to do it. Now, I don't know about so far south as, as Madison. I, I don't know all the way down in the southern part of the state. But, like, you used to be able to do it, like, around Highway 29. Like, you used to be able I know my parents or my dad grew up at Anago. And they could go all the time. You didn't have to drive up north. You could, but you didn't necessarily have to. Like now, I, I, I don't know much about the snowmobile trail structure around Lacrosse or Madison. I know close to where my folks live, there are all these trails. I'm like, they're never open. Why even put the signs out? You got to drive legit up north and then some. And not north of 29 like some of you hacks believe up north like north of highway eight and then maybe even farther although the up didn't even get snow this year i had a buddy who had a trip up to mount bohemia plan uh they call it boho i believe is what the kids call it mount boho or just go we're going up to boho mount bohemia to ski for the weekend and they don't have snow machines up there because it's the up and it's off lake superior why would they ever need to make snow up there you can just assume you can write it in pen they're gonna get snow and they didn't even get snow this year I wonder why. I wonder what's. I wonder why that is. I wonder if anyone's theorized as to why we're not getting snow anymore. I don't. Know. It's probably just probably just luck. Anyway, all right, I'll I'll stop. I'm on Twitter by the way at Wisco Grant. If you want to call the show, if you'd like, you can six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. As Eric on I ninety did a little more Brewers talk. We started the show with Brewers talk. We should hear a little bit from Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff talking about the process being non tendered by the Brewers. Entering free agency, then re-engaging talks with the Brewers. Here's a little background on how this offseason went for our guy. You know, being a free agent is um, it's an honor and a privilege. I know my circumstance was a little bit different. Um, and you know what? It got early on. There was not, you know, we talked to the Brewers, obviously, when the non-tender happened. Uh, they expressed uh, that they would like me to come back. We had a few brief conversations. Um and you know what? It the way it evolved over this free agency, um, it happened pretty fast at the end with the Brewers. So um, I wouldn't say not expected, but it just um, it just kind of happened pretty fast. So um, and I'm glad it did. You know, I've I've thought a lot about this decision. It was a um, it was a really tough decision 
And, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it happened pretty quick. I'm super happy to be back. This is, um, an organization where I've, I've grown up in, um, I'm very familiar with the situation I'm in, with, in which I'm getting into with the medical staff, with the front office, with coaching, with everybody, the players, uh, and even, you know, people in the city, I, I still get to live in the same house. Um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of positives, um, I could take from this and it made the decision pretty easy. That last part is important, and I mentioned it the other day, and I I thought I was barking up the right tree, but hearing Brandon Woodruff make those comments, I, I, I'm for sure that I was barking up the right tree and that he gets to live in the same house, he gets to work with the same physicians, he gets to work with the same coaches in the same facilities. And I, I think that's important for most. Like, most people don't love moving. It's pretty, it is a pretty big pain in the butt. Right. But for someone, especially just specifically talking about Brandon Woodruff situation, this dude in the last six months went from one of the best players on a team that was going to try to win a championship to, oh, I might never pitch again. Just like that. Like, that's a jarring and in professional sports, it's it's more common than in real life. Like in real life, we hit big roadblocks and we hit big bumps and life hits us with surprises but that's pretty jarring to go from I am one of the best in the world at what I do and I'm in a place where I can do it at a high level and I'm on the cusp of making a lot of money to I might never be able to do the thing again and that happens more often in professional sports certainly than it does in real life not to say that it doesn't happen in real life but for Brandon Woodruff throughout this of jarring period of time to be able to stay in the same house, stay in the same place, work with the same people and, and work through this massive roadblock that life has put in front of him with mostly familiar settings and familiar people around him. I think that's really valuable. And Brandon Woodruff might've been able to make two or three more million bucks going to a bigger, you know, going to whatever, Atlanta, New York, LA. I, I'm not even saying that those teams would be interested, but like that's what Corey Kluber did, right? He went and made a little bit of money with the Dodgers. They paid him to rehab. Brandon Woodruff might've been able to make a couple more million dollars elsewhere, but I think there's a lot of value and he must've agreed to sticking ground with the franchise that he's always known in the settings that he's always known and working through this massive hiccup, the shoulder injury, this shoulder surgery with as less upheaval around him as possible. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that. He was also asked, how's the shoulder doing? How's the rehab? Fill us in. You know, it's rehab's been going really good. Um, the surgery went better than expected. Uh, I'm just a little bit over four months in. I started a throwing program last week, um, and that's been going good. It's a slow and steady progression. Um, but as of right now, I feel, I feel good. I feel completely normal. Now it's just all about getting my shoulder back used to um, – you know, the stresses that we, we do day in and day out. So, but as of right now, I'm doing great. Um, just following protocol and, and going from there, but, um, you know, look forward to getting out to Maryville and, and, and getting with, um, the staff and, and, uh, you know, continuing that, that build up. So, but as far as four months in, man, I'm doing good. That's really good to hear. I just love Brandon Woodruff so much. Like the he's like, man, it's going great. I just, I'm just so glad he's sticking around and he's going to be on the Brewers for the next couple of seasons. I'm amped. I'm so happy for him. All right, let's take one call. Then we'll take our break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Piano Man Howe. Hey, what's up, Ryan? How's it going? 
I'm doing pretty good. It's it's uh, May outside already. Seriously. Uh, which I will I will enjoy it for what it is, even though it should not in any way be happening yet. <laughs> well, tell that tell that to Eric on I ninety. He can't get out and ride his snowmobile. This man's in hell, and we just want to go outside and and get some sunshine. No, I got you. Hey, I'm booking draft guests, Ryan. I know you're one of our big draft callers. Like, just so you know, I'm I'm digging in this year. We're gonna talk more draft, and we're gonna have more draft people on. So I, I hope you're happy. I'm finally turning to your ways of getting more obsessed with the draft and all that goes with it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, man. I am already doing. Sorry, I was chewing a pretzel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about analyzing and delving into this year's crop of safeties mm. and and linebackers the packers in my opinion are are going to address both of the <laughs> damn it we lost him hey ryan if you're listening call back i'm gonna get this break in and i'll talk to you on the other side okay three minutes wisco sports show we'll be right back this is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We just went to break. If we lose a phone call, let's just get the break in. That way we can get to Mike Clemens on time. He'll join us in about 10 minutes. He was at the Jeff Halfley presser or Hatley. As Eric Ananandi would say, I think we're going to get some Hefnies and some Halflies. I'm interested to see how his name is mispronounced. Not that it's a difficult name to pronounce. It's just, you know, Midwesterners. We just, we, we don't really love saying things correctly, perfectly all the time. We like to add S's, like to switch around consonants. That's just what we do. I think we got Piano Man back. Ryan, is this you? 608-321-1670. We got you back. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I think there was just a bug in the phone. I did not hang up on you. You were telling me how excited you were to dig into this class of safeties, and then we lost you. Yeah, I was I was heading up Apple Blossom Scenic Drive near La Crescent, which okay. if people aren't familiar with that, it's a place where cell phone service can go in and out. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying, um, the safeties people aren't going to be saying this is a deep or even a very good class, but there are still players out there that I think the Packers will definitely draft one and potentially two of within their uh, top 100 picks, which of which they have five, of course. Um, Some of my favorites right now are Kalen Bullock from USC. And Mm -hmm. of course, everyone's talking about Cam Kinchins from Miami and uh, maybe even uh, Bo Brady from Maryland or uh, the other big one is Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. That's a name I actually know that the last one I knew I wrote the other ones down. I think just with safety, I, you know, it's interesting. A lot of these great safeties. And I talked with uh, Peter at the Super Bowl, Peter Bukowski about this. He's like a lot of safeties that end up being really good are players that aren't physically dominant. They don't test particularly well. Maybe they weren't highly recruited for that reason, but they're just so damn smart and they see the field will yeah. really well. That's why I'm not obsessed with the idea of a safety in the first round. Ideally, you have a player that's smart and sees the field well, and they're physically dominant, but I don't think you need to be physically dominant to be a great safety. I think I agree with you. I mean, it, you talk about Darnell Savage, who is a com- who, who blew up at the combine, and everyone was just in awe of him running a 4-3, 6-40-yard dash, and of course, 
everyone puts so much stock into these physical uh, uh, things, these these tangible measurements of players, their yeah. height, their weight, their speed, and and they don't look at tape. And Tyler Newbin, especially, uh, if he is there at 41, I mean, I would run up that card. Uh, he he's a guy who just loves. He he's very good at at playing. You know, the overthrow or the pass deflection. He he has a good number of interceptions, and Kalen Bullock is too. And they're both those guys will come up and support in the run game, and they will hit you. I just think you got to take a couple safeties and a couple corners. And I like mm-hmm. I, I always use a lineman, always use a receiver. Always like, yes, I think they need running backs, too. But I want them to do this year with corner and safety what they did last year with tight end and wide receiver. That's my dream. I agree. I think I think um, there is a chance, depending on how the board falls, that uh, it, I mean, again, if it were my opinion, if somebody like Jalen Polk still happened to be there at 58, the receiver from Washington, run up that card. This guy is like Dontavian Wicks, as good a route runner, but he's faster. Hey, I remember, just so we can have a laugh before I let you go, uh, I remember yeah. I, t- I talked to you, would have been Friday night, uh, after round after the Packers selected Jaden Reed. You didn't like Jaden Reed. You didn't, you, you hated the pick. And I remember telling you, I'm like, well, I don't know anything about anything, but like they took a wide receiver. That's just fun. Like this is, this is how it works. I previously historically don't learn about the prospects and then the Packers pick a guy. And then I convince myself as to why they're amazing. That's how I go about it. I think you should take mm-hmm. a little bit of a playbook. I will meet you halfway. I'll do more uh prospect study and you do less. And then you just convince yourself that all the guys are good. You, you, we meet in the middle on this. Oh, I agree. I was I, I was certainly very very wrong about both Jaden Reed and Amari Rogers. I thought I thought the other would be what the other has turned out to be. Yeah. Um, well, I I wouldn't I I guess I wouldn't necessarily say I thought Jaden Reed would be a bust. I just I I was a little too hung up on the typical thresholds that they had been selecting receivers with in terms of their RAS, and that's another you know it's another physical measurement trap to fall into and. Um, yeah, I, it is, it is the easiest thing is to just see who they draft and then, then read up on them and watch tape and just like, okay, this is what they thought they can bring. I mean, reading up, I feel you. Yeah. Watching tape, reading up and Ryan, I I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. I'm sure as we get close to the draft, you don't even need to read, watch tape. Just, just convince yourself that they're amazing. And then only look for information that confirms that, that assumption. No, I'm messing with you a little bit too. I just think quality over quantity or quantity over quality this year. That's why I'm kind of anti trade up for a player that they might love. It's like, I just want a lot of bodies reload. Some of these positions you need them. And, and chances are some of these lottery tickets will hit. Okay. Time for one quick call. Then we'll get to Mike Clemens. 608-321-1670. Wisco sports show. Who's this? Ridge runner. Mark. How are we doing? Sir? Ridge runner. Mark, bring us home before we break and talk to Mike. Clemens. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. So real quick talking about the draft. My hope is, is that they don't, pigeonhole themselves into saying, well, we have to get this, we have to get that. They sit pat where they are, and they take the best available player. Yes. And if they think the best available player is, say, alignment or another tight end, go ahead and take them. I yeah. think the other, if we wait on defense a little bit, we might be feel better about it because maybe let's use the excuse of, well, we want to see how the new D.C. installs his defense. And maybe the players we have are going to become rock stars in this defense and how it plays. 
The other thing I have real quick, and this is like a deep philosophical thing. You were talking about expectations yesterday. Uh-huh. And this is the mantra I've come up with, and it's bear with me here because there's some pauses. Everything matters. None of it matters. Find the path between those two truths, and you'll be okay. All of it matters. None of it matters. Well, I guess those things can both. If everything matters, then I guess by the same. Exactly. You find the path between those two truths because they're both they're both accurate. Find the path in the middle there, and you'll feel a whole lot better. Live in the moment as well. Like you know, live in the moment of each Brewer game. Did we do great? No, we suck. Well, let's let's be angry about it for that game, and then let's move on to the next one. Same thing if they do great. They win a series, great. We get on to the next series, let's see what happens. That's my take. I'm fascinated, and I think I need a cigarette. I need to stew on this. I like this a lot. I just need to wrap my brain around it. Hey, Ridge Runner Mark, have a great weekend because I'm off tomorrow. This was the perfect way to wrap up the uh, caller portion of tonight's show. Thank you, always. Right on. Take it easy, man. Enjoy your weekend off. Thank you. Ridge Runner Mark, WKTY listener, up in the bluffs of lacrosse somewhere. Appreciate that, Mark. I need to think on that. Everything matters. Nothing matters. So when the team goes and plays poorly, we just say, well, nothing really matters. When they play well, well, of course it matters. Everything matters. I don't think that's what Mark was saying. But again, that's what I'm going to talk myself into. Five minutes. We're going to come back. Break down the hiring of Jeff Hatley. Halfley's? Halfley's? Jeff Halfley. Mike Clemens next. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I want us to be fast and physical and attack the ball, and we will be a little bit more vision-based on the back end, and I think that's that's great opportunity to be able to go out there and generate takeaways. Mm, Matt LaFleur, as he was introducing his new defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley, saw a lot of good things about today's press conference. A lot of comments from Packers reporters saying great things, very impressive, a lot of good buzzwords. I want to be fast, aggressive, I want to hit. Jeff Halfley saying, I want to maximize each one of my players. Of course, most defensive coordinators would say these things. It's about putting it into practice. That's the kicker. That we have yet to see. More will be revealed in the coming months and, of course, this upcoming season. Mike Clemens was in attendance, and God, I'm excited to have Mike back. Mike, it feels like football season again a little bit. We have coach audio to listen to. We have things to talk about. This is great. I'm so happy you're here. Well, you know, and the other thing, too, is that it's nice to talk to coaches that have gotten a good night's sleep and aren't so crabby. You know, really. I mean, That's interesting. Yeah, Halfley sounded amped today because yeah. I bet during the season, the media availability is like the thing that's like holding them back from doing more coaching. I got to go take care of this obligation. I suppose wow. at this point in the offseason, this is the only thing they got really going on today. By November, anybody in the NFL, players, coaches, equipment people, they they, they need a three-day nap. <laughs> Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, here's you know here's the main thing, Um, Joe Barry. You know, so why why did you fire the guy? Because as I was saying earlier to to you guys today, you know, Mike, did you see the Buccaneers game? Did you see you know Justin Jefferson running around circles? Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, did you also look at the roster? Did you see that Jair Alexander wasn't out there half the season and Devondre Campbell at linebacker, a guy Mm -hmm. who 
you know, Joe Barry was really going to rely on going into that season. And you're waiting for Rashawn Gary to come back 100%. And he did an amazing job coming from an ACL. But, you know, your two corners, they were, they, they were kids. You know, or, you know, the 27-year-old guy off the street in Ballantyne. But Carrington Valentine is out there at the other corner. And you never really got a, a standout safety. And, you know, you had a good defensive line. But, you know, Joe Barry was not exactly given a very, you know, full hand of cards to play with. But at the same time, we know that, you know, you could see these little things like, okay, now LaFleur's moved him upstairs. Now LaFleur's got, the, you know, the backup tight end, Tyler Davis, holding up cards to help communication. I mean, LaFleur's trying to, like, solve every little problem, eliminate every excuse he can through the season. And then I imagine at some point when he does the exit interviews, you know, it's an open forum and you get your door closed to the head coach's office and who knows, just just hypothetical. Don't know this for a fact. You know, a guy like Rashawn Gary says, you know, Joe B's a good guy, except, and then you hear the other stuff where guys are not buying in anymore. And sure. then you decide, okay, it, we got to move on. So they've pretty much made a clean sweep of that staff that was there. Jerry Montgomery, there really wasn't time to get into this with it. Maybe I can get off to the side. I wonder if, he would, if there's anyone like him who'd been around for a long time with the team, I think 2015, defensive line coach, intelligent guy. I wonder if he put his hat in the ring and said, hey, I want to be considered, you know, I don't think my, Matt, from the sounds of things, was interested in hiring from within. I think he hired yeah. a defensive coordinator who, by the way, worked with his brother, Mike LaFleur, twice. Mm-hmm. So he had all the information he needed. You know, you're, you're a head coach. You've got your doubts. You've always got your depth chart on players and coaches and whatnot. And this Halfley guy is a guy that he, he had an eye on. He also took the opportunity to interview all kinds of people, some names that we probably it'll it maybe could be a long time before we hear. So you hear LaFleur coming out there and talking, doing that rah-rah stuff. Oh, I want a more aggressive defense, and I want this. you know. And LaFleur would do that from time to time in season depending on the opponent. Like, you know, if you're playing the Ravens, oh, man, I love that defense. And then he would tell you why. Aggressive this, aggressive that. They got this. They give the quarterback fits, you know. And he would tell you why. And he was, you practically could understand on a Wednesday during the regular season. You're saying that's what I, my, what I want my defense to look like. Yeah. Not so much playing the percentages, and okay, at the end of the day, we're, we're keeping the points off the board, but you're not getting turnovers, and you're not, you're not intimidating an opponent. So then he just said something right there in that bumper you played where he says more physical defense and and I want a vision based you know back end on the defense and I said wait, wait a minute what what do you mean by wanting a vision based back end on defense and with safeties keeping their eyes on the quarterback at all times that that's what he wants he doesn't want these safeties turning their backs in man coverage he wants to play the ball play the ball and here's what Lafleur said. Well, yeah, I would say more vision-based, more visual on the quarterback because he's going to ultimately take you to where the ball is going to go. So, and it's hard to do that when if you're playing with your back to the quarterback or if you're playing a real matchy. Not to not to say that you we won't be that. Um, there's certainly going to be circumstances when you want to man up and play some match coverage. But you know, I would say a, a big part of what we're going to do, especially from a coverage standpoint, is going to be have vision on the quarterback. It sounds like he wants to make more things happen to the offense. 
right? Rather than sit back and say, well, if we do this by the end of the game, we'll be in it, which is fine. And I like, I don't think Joe Barry's defense played them out of any games last year, except the Tampa game. I thought that was the only one, but it seems to me like Matt LaFleur wants a defense that makes things happen to the offense rather than waiting for things to happen to them. That's, that's the messaging. It seems that I'm getting physical, intimidating, make statements early on, creates turnovers, that kind of thing, yeah. you know, that, that, that kind of aggressiveness. Uh, and maybe this is also going to be a, an assistant coaching staff. That's a little bit more, you know, Lombardi like, you know, grab, grab, grab. Type. I mean, they're good. They're, I think they're going to, they've brought in a couple of guys who are going to be more yellers. And, you know, you, you have to watch that fine line because these are professional athletes and you can, you know, only, it seems like Dan Campbell's the only guy that can pull that off lately these days. But, you know, I asked, LaFleur this. So, you know, when you look at Halfley and a guy that was at Pitt with uh, Revis and uh, and then, you know, works his way up. He's he's with the Jets and Mike Patton, and then Patton gets a job with the Browns, and then he's with the 49ers, and they're intimidating defenses for the past decade or so through three or four different coordinators and with Kyle Shanahan and, and what Jim Harbaugh had even before that with uh, Willis, Patrick Willis, who's now going to the Hall of Fame. Um, I said, you hire a defensive coordinator who's a secondary guy mm-hmm. coming out of college. Uh, you know, was that important? You know, in in who you wanted to, where you wanted to guide the defense next? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, I think, especially in this league, it's such a pass dominant league. That was definitely one of the most appealing things to me. Was his ability to lead from the back end. Um, but I, I think he's got a great knowledge base on all three levels. I like the idea of someone who has experience coaching the back end of the defense. I know that you can be successful from any position group, but that was where Belichick made his bones. That was Saban. And plus this team's at a spot where they're probably going to have to rebuild the secondary. And if you're investing first round picks in corners all the time, the corner Mike, and maybe you can attest to this. It's a position that they've invested in a lot over the last 10 years. And they never really seem to get, what should be requisite, like payback from that position? I'd like to change that. Yeah, and you know, I, I, my sense is after listening to this now for you know an hour, over an hour or so today, it's like, look, we had a good defensive line last year, uh, and we can just you know uh, do that again this year. Um, I, look, we'll rush four guys. We got two linebackers chasing after running backs and stuff in the flats. And the rest is a, a secondary that figures out the formations that anticipates where the routes are going to be and plays for the football. And, and that's, you know, it's a more heady back end to the defense that way. Now, uh, LaFleur also talked a little bit about, you know, the new strength and conditioning coach and what he was looking for there, more of a motivational guy. And there might be a connection between the 49ers uh, uh, head strength and conditioning coach who turns out maybe is related to Matt's wife. So some family ties going on there Uh, and and lots of other things that we'll cover uh, throughout the week or so. But uh, I thought this was a, this is a story that Matt LaFleur was begging to tell because they said, Oh, about Sean Mannion, the quarterback who, you know, played for a backup for the Rams for Sean McVay when LaFleur was out there for, you know, the one year as a quarterback coach and uh, and an offensive coordinator when you know uh, McVeigh is making the calls, so he's a backup to Jared Goff, a young Jared Goff. Then you know the Vikings quarterback, who you know the Packers beat like a drum because Kirk Cousins was out the Achilles. And on the field, Lafleur 
Sean Mannion comes over and says, yeah, I'm thinking about getting into coaching. So listen who LaFleur stole Sean Mannion from at the last minute to join the Packers offensive staff. The question was, what is, what's going to be the title now for former quarterback Sean Mannion on the Packers offense? He's going to be an offensive assistant for us, um, and he'll be working primarily out of the quarterback room. So I, I just I love his past experience. I've coached him before in L.A. I always figured he was going to go down this route. Matter of fact, when we played him earlier in the year, he told me he was going to get into coaching. So I was like, all right, well, let me know when you're going to become a coach. He's just a guy that I've always respected how he went about his process, uh, how he prepared for games, how he helped, you know, Jared in that situation, being a backup for us. And then when we interviewed him, matter of fact, he was getting ready to go interview for Chicago. And um, I think it was it was actually during the NFC Championship game, which I really didn't care to watch. Um, I jumped on a Zoom call with him in the second half, and he showed me his what he was going to present. And I told him, well, that's pretty good. I think you should come up to Green Bay right when you're done with that interview. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised that they let him out of the building. They tried to get him, but I, I guess we had more to offer. But um, we're lucky to have him. I, I really do think this guy's going to have a, a bright future for us um, and, and certainly in, in the coaching profession. Mike Clemens is joining us. Mike, I want to be efficient so we can get to all these cuts from Jeff Halfley, but that's what I love. Isn't that from awesome? And it's great, and I love, like, well, what title? Who cares what title? If there's a young coach that you like, make something up. There are no rules to this. That's I love that approach. That to, I'm going to send that to the score in Chicago, and they're just going to pull <laughs> out their hair. They're going I guess to we had more to offer. Right. Well, and, well, hey, listen, who the hell is going to be the next quarterback in Chicago? How long is Matt Eberflus go? And, gee, this Jordan Love kid looks pretty good. I think I'll go to Green Bay. I think I'll have a little more chance to well, get a three- or four-year gig out of it. Yeah, and, and another thing is, as a coordinator, if you're looking to tie yourself to a head coach, I can't imagine there are many coaches with better job security right now than Matt LaFleur after what he showed last year in year one with Jordan Love. So he hires a new defensive coordinator who he introduces today out of Boston College, the head coach. And Halfley was said, okay, so you've worked for an aggressive 49ers defense, and then you worked for kind of a Jets prevent defense under Mike Pettin. Where do you fall between those two? Uh, it's a great question. I think there's down and distances where you got to get exotic and you have to get after people and you have to pressure the quarterback. You got to get guys that can rush and you got to get guys that can cover, but you have to get after the quarterback. I think there's down distances situations where not as much pressure, um, but when you get when you get a chance to get after the quarterback, you have to. Um, so I think there's a very fine line of that. And as we build this thing, I think you're going to see some things that look a little bit more exotic, and then there's sometimes we look simpler. Uh, I think that's the key to all this. Well, it's situational, and some of the best moments of the Packers' defenses last year. They got a team in third and long against the Lions on Thanksgiving or the Chiefs in the red zone on Sunday Night Football, and they had a chance to just get after the quarterback. That's some of the best moments from this last season. Yeah, and he wants a probably one safety play up close, and he wants another one that's a post-safety that they're calling it now in the league these days. The guy who's deep, he's over the middle, and he can cover the, the, the post route. They're going to try and push receivers to the middle of the field. guy that can play that. You know, that's what they were hoping when they drafted Darnell Savage, he seems to have dropped off the radar. And Halfley was asked about what's he looking for at that position. Does he have I to want a guy who can? Does he want a guy who can get big? What was that, Mike? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he have to have a, a big size guy back there? Gotcha. I want a guy who can erase things. 
we got to eliminate explosive plays when we play this defense. So if a run hits up the middle, this guy's got to come out of the middle field with his hair on fire. He's got to be able to get a guy down. I also want him to be a guy when a ball carrier's wrapped up, he goes and he finishes off the pile. I want a guy who can go from sideline to sideline and take the ball away. I think that position has to be a guy with high ball production, meaning he's got to be able to intercept the ball. Um, he's got to be a guy that can communicate, and he's got to be a guy that can get guys lined up and make some calls back there. And I'd love a guy who can play man, so I guess I'm describing the perfect player to you. Um, but those are some of the traits that I would look for in playing that position. Size, how, is that very important or it, is that less important? It's become less important. You've seen guys back there that can be anywhere from 190 to 205 or even bigger. Um, I coached some really good ones in San Francisco who were 190, 195. I've coached some good ones that are 215. I'm not a guy that's going to just say you have to fit this mold and be 6'2 and 205 or 210 to play a certain position. I think it's more trait-based. Now, if you can get a guy with those traits and he's bigger, I think it helps. But I think you can have both. Need a guy who's an eraser. So when there's a, a, a mistake somewhere else on the defense, you got to take care of it. That makes sense, especially when you're playing more man defense where there might be more mistakes. A guy takes a wrong step or mistakes are magnified when you're playing a more aggressive defense. As Jeff Halfley did a lot of interviews in January, uh, right. interesting, that got around the NFL. And he drops a lot of names like, oh, yeah, when I worked with Rondé Barber, you know, when I worked for, worked for Richard Sherman, who I was just talking to a couple of weeks. Right. Okay? And, and then he also talks about Terrell Rivas because when, when he was a coach early, just like 06, he was coaching Rivas at Pitt. I said, did you know what you had? And welcome to Green Bay, the land of draft and development. Do you understand how important player developments, working with young guys is going to be for you here with the Packers? Yeah, I think player development is the most important thing at any level. I mean, you got to get you got to get players better at every level along the way. I mean, I thought I was a really good coach when I had Revis. When he left, I realized I had a lot of work to do. Um, he was a special player. Who He was a junior when I got there, so I can't say I had much to do with his development, but it was fun to coach him, and I hope to coach more guys like him in the future. But player development's huge. And at Boston College, that was we had to take you know some of those lower-star guys and try to get them to play like four- or five-star guys. And that's always been important to me. It's always been important to me to try to get to make the game simpler for players. And that's the biggest thing you'll hear me say a lot. I want to simplify it for them because I think part of me being a coach is I have to be a great teacher. So I take all this information that I have and all these things, but I make it very simple for you to understand so you can go out and play fast and aggressive and not worry about anything. Um, that's why practice is so important. That's another thing. If they're fixing to draft two new safeties and a new corner and a new linebacker, yeah, it's on that player to get better and to mature and to put the work in, but it's also on the coaching staff to create environments and create uh, workouts or, or whatever to help that player be their best. And I don't I don't know if that's been the case in Green Bay the last couple of years, so I'm glad that he understands that. Of course, any guy who's coming in to get a job will say that, but he's saying all the right things. That's all he can do at this moment in time. Sounds smart. We'll see how he is in terms of building that team and pulling these guys together. But, man, he needs a lot of help either in the draft or in free agency, to fill these roles on the secondary, particularly when you just voided Savage's contract the other day as well, and Keyshawn Nixon as well. You know, he's going to be reinventing that secondary. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Well, 
I'm excited to have you back, Mike. It felt like football for the last 15 minutes. Felt like football season, which I have missed. It's been fun to talk college basketball and Brewers, but I think I also think the people who listen to the show are sick of hearing me bitch about Craig Council and bitch about Stephen Crowell and Craig well, Gardner. You know, so. I'll tell you, some of these things that like Doc Rivers is going through right now and what those guys yeah. are going through, I, the, the, this is all very relatable. The good news is we live in a state with some pretty good programs. I mean, there's not just fools, you know. It's at least, at least all of these teams have got a shot at being respectable. I agree, and I might be a little bit of a fool. I just realized what time it is. I got to run, Mike. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Grant. Mike Clemens will be back in three minutes to wrap things up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Last segment. Wisco Sports Show, Temple and Heilprin up next. Best Badgers talk you'll find. They're live at Monks and Sun Prairie, so stop by if you're a zone lister. I'm off tomorrow. I'm getting out of town. I will be back on Monday. Can't wait. Talk to you all Monday at 4. There must be some-